It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Conor McGilligan, your multimedia producer and YouTube host. I'm joined by your Manchester City writer, Simon Baikowski, for this one as well. And I just want to point out the new set. I hope, you're, uh, hope you enjoy the, 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 the new background here. We've got the new Talking City logo here. We've got a nice light here as well, Si. Um, got some plants. Very nice. A wooden guy here as well. Someone has very much enjoyed the trip to Ikea, haven't they? <laughs> they have. But also, you know, bespoke, bespoke sign. Yeah. Get the badge in. It's, it, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's a very neutral vibe. I get told by my girlfriend a lot that it's Scandi vibes. So with, with Harland, it's fitting. <laughs> there we go. Nice transition again. Another fantastic segue. Uh, but yeah, so uh, be expecting it to, to get even better, everyone, because uh, we're trying to evolve all the time here on the Talking City podcast. So, Sai, everything good? You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, delighted that we finally got some plants for the podcast. That's mm. what... Someone did come up to me and said, it's a great podcast, but do you know what you're missing? Plant. <laughs> and, and a wooden guy as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to start with something. and I don't want to start with player chat at the minute. I've been speaking to you just off air there about my flat at the minute and how hot it is and how unbearable it is. They basically decided to paint my flat and I'm at the top floor, as I mentioned to you before. So it's boiling up there and they've decided to paint and it is, I mean, they're suffering painting it as well. And it's just, what is it with this weather? And it, it, you know, we've had a really rough summer, haven't we? And it gets to September and suddenly it's 40 degrees. Side. Hottest just, day of the year yesterday, yeah. It's it absolutely mad, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. But yeah, just, um, it makes this podcast environment a bit warm, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But we'll be back to, you know, back to normal soon. On to Manchester, everything Manchester, Manchester City. Um, City 5, Fulham 1 for the international break. Not a bad ending, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, it was quite a weird performance. It wasn't that first half, especially, was just like really uh, un-City-like. Um, and you're walking away thinking they've not played very well there and they've beaten a side who should comfortably avoid relegation 5-1. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, um, it kind of summed up the start, really. They've not been firing on all cylinders. There's still, like, loads more to come from the team. You feel like there's more to come from Haaland, from Alvarez, from Foden. Um, and yet they're top of the league, having not dropped a point and scored a lot of goals and not conceded too many. So um, it's been a very positive start. Were Fulham, were Fulham good or was City just off it? Because I thought they were the... One of the better, I mean, how can you say they're one of the better teams and, and still lose 5-1? But they did feel a little bit better than... It's always hard It's always hard to answer that question. Like when City played Newcastle, like we both spoke about, we didn't feel like Newcastle gave that much ambition to the game. And But then you sort of have to counter that with, well, City controlled them really well and City controlled the midfield. And if you control the midfield, you've got the game and Newcastle can't do much. Um, it felt like City were bad rather than Fulham were good. Um, on Saturday, yeah. Um, City just giving the ball away like too often. Um, Jeremy Doku on his first start sort of was showed glimpses, but also showed I thought nerves, um, which is is understandable. But we're not really used to seeing um, at the Etihad. But he was a bit nervous, and yeah, defence and midfield just giving the ball away too easily, and that kind of allowed Fulham to have more of the ball and have more chances. I think it was after like half an hour and Fulham had had maybe like, I think they'd had three corners in the opening half hour. It felt like they had a lot of corners and then you looked and it was kind of more in that opening half an hour than City had let Newcastle or Sheffield United have. Um, so it, yeah, it was, it was a sloppy start from City, um, but they then did what they 
do and recovered really well. Yeah, I thought so as well. It was it was it was a bit of an odd performance, but it's just it's crazy. I mean, you know, you're watching these performances and you're still seeing them. The, I mean, the outcome's just nuts, isn't it? I mean, you look at five one face value and it it's a, it's a battering on paper, isn't it? But yeah. it but it really didn't feel like that again, did it? No, no. But I, I guess that is sort of the power of Erling Haaland more than anything. Um, and yeah, I think. Um, you know, when Malilo said afterwards, you know, he can have a bad game but still score and have a bad game and still score three goals. And, um, you know, I didn't think he was terrible by any means, but he they, he struggled to get in the game and get into his rhythm until he did and then scored three goals. And it's like, yeah, he's just kind of like, he, he can single-handedly take games away from teams and make it look like a drubbing even when it, when it isn't. And um, that is kind of what he... What he did, did see were see were better in the second half. They were they came out and they played better in the second half. But yeah, it still wasn't a performance that smacked a five-one. It was quite nice to um, see as well. Obviously, the Howling getting the three, but it was quite nice to see some of the subs making an impact as well, wasn't it? I mean, Sergio Gomez that assist was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? And hopefully, that gives him a little bit of confidence. And you know, those rotation options we've spoken about before are going to be so imperative for City this season, aren't they? Yes, yeah, yeah, I got a bit of flack in my player ratings actually for suggesting that Sergio Gomez didn't do much. <laughs> oh. May or may not have forgotten to include it may, his assist. It may, have, it may have been slightly inflated because of the assist, but on the general balance of play, I do agree with you. I don't think yeah. he was... No, well, yeah, he ca- someone turned to me actually and said, uh, oh, he's, you know, struggling to get involved, did he? And then like 30 seconds later, he'd pull the ball on a plate for Haaland. So, yeah, and it's going to be interesting with Gomez because City are kind of light on wingers I suppose Grealish was not in the squad because he was injured so Gomez has kind of been played in that left wing position more since it kind of became obvious that he couldn't really work it out as a left back so um, I think we'll see him more there this season and um, yeah if he can keep putting the ball on a plate for Haaland then he'll he will get more minutes but yeah and um Oscar Bob, there was a lot of excitement around and there's a lot of excitement in Norway about him and in this room, in this room yeah, and he came on and yeah, did very well. Took, again, a few signs of nerves and a few signs of bad decisions, but he um, he certainly equipped himself well and got stuck in and showed some fancy footwork. Yeah, I was speaking to Joe about it and there was just a point, I think, I don't know if it was about, obviously it must have been second half where he got the ball and just sort of like slalomed through the central space and took two or three yeah. on you thought. Yeah, yeah. And obviously there's been like loads of um, Norway reporters over to cover Haaland and they all want to cover Haaland. But also there's been this kind of hype around Oscar Bob because of that, because he's like the one of the next talents coming through. And if you can't get to Haaland, well, Bob might be the next big thing. And um yeah, so, you know, I was talking to one of them at the weekend and they were like, you know, two, two Norwegians in the best team in the world. Odegaard as well doing bits at Arsenal. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, such a, it's a small nation and, you know, they're, they're desperate to qualify for a major tournament. Um, but, yeah, the sort of present and future near present is uh, is looking pretty bright at the minute. Well, it's to discuss as well the... Um the partnership that we're seeing at the minute being forged with Foden and Alvarez. So we've seen a lot of it so far this season, haven't we? I mean, what's your evaluation so far on that? Do you think as a long-term strategy, that's something that Pep's going to go with? Yeah, I think at the minute with Foden and Alvarez, we're kind of seeing, I think that's partly what's behind City not looking at their best um, because... I think they can both kind of look very good and produce kind of bits that win matches, but they're also not the typical number eights that you would see that kind of Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan have had kind of locked down for the last few years. They're, they're probably more like a number 10 than a number eight, um, just kind of a bit too advanced and not as concerned with the, the defensive responsibilities. And I, I think them just being a bit higher up the pitch kind of has caused City to look a bit um, not as joined up as they might be. And also you've got kind of, if you play both of them in the middle, you're generally leaving the right side 
um, open because, you know, Foden was on the, started off on the right against um, Fulham and then switched to the left and then moved into the middle. So you sort of, as fluid as it can be to sort of frustrate opponents and not know what they're doing, it can also make it look as though City aren't quite as fluid as they, as they should be. Um, but we saw Alvarez getting into the box for Haaland to cross slash shoot um, for him. Um, and Foden, I think each game he's played, he's had one kind of run that should have ended in a spectacular goal and hasn't quite. So he seems like he's he's quite nearly there. Um, That's the De Bruyne thing as well, isn't it? It's because there's always a an outcome with De Bruyne, isn't there? And I think that's the thing with Foden. It's just yeah. edging closer to that end product consistently. Yeah, and I think it's just there is potentially them, but they are different players and it is really difficult to sort of try and replace players like De Bruyne and Gundogan. Or compare, really. Or compare, yeah. But, you know, Foden and Alvarez have their own talents and the team will adapt to how they play as much as they adapt to the the team. So we're just in that phase at the minute where everyone's kind of working each other out again and everyone's working out exactly how they want to play in this system and how they should play and what brings the best out of each other. But, um, you know, Haaland was asked recently, you know, to tip a player who he thinks will have a big season and he said Foden. So if City are clearly seeing a lot from Foden that they're, that they're liking. And then um, Alvarez just has this knack to get involved in goals. He's just like, you can have large spells of the game where he doesn't look like he's doing anything or he's not doing anything particularly well, but he's um, he's always close to, to being involved in a, in a goal in a similar way that Haaland is really. Um, and I think um, one of my colleagues kind of made the point that like, can you have Haaland, you, you can have Haaland up top, not doing much on his own. Can you have two players like that? Um, which is still to be answered, but it seems to be working just about at the minute. Yes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the Foden-Alvarez effect against some of the better teams in the division. Because obviously the litmus test at the minute has been Newcastle. But I know you were saying on the day that you thought it was going to be a, a difficult yeah. one for City, that one, because of the, the squad makeup yeah. at that moment in time. But I think it's going to be interesting when you're coming up against your Man United, your Arsenal's, that sort of calibre of team, really. I, I think West Ham's going to be really interesting. Like, not just because it's the next game, but like um, David Moyes has been one of the better managers for setting up against Man City in recent years and you know they'd be in Chelsea they'd be in Brighton um they I think they're unbeaten after after four and um they will at, at their own ground I think they'll be really um present a real challenge that City will have to overcome I think it's one of those games where you know it'll be very much important that Guardiola's back on the sidelines because it will, it may kind of need that in-game management to um, just to to get the better of them. But yeah, with Alvarez as well, it's kind of like we see him for Argentina, and he kind of like does Messi's running for him. And we're not quite seeing that same partnership with Harlem, but he's kind of more integrated with the rest of the team. So he's not suffering, is he, Harlem, whatsoever, because of the. The, the Bruyne absence. No, no, no. Which people said, um, you know, he might he might struggle to get goals, and he, he it, it's early in Haaland. You know, uh, I saw he'd like his form from the first four games, exactly the form from the first four games last season, and six goals in four games is really. is pretty yeah. good going. So I think he needs I think he needs a hat trick at West Ham to keep it up. So. Did he get did he get two last year? He got consecutive, yeah. Yeah, he got two, didn't he? Got a, got a penalty, didn't he, as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no yeah, he got two at West Ham. Um, but he got consecutive hat tricks, I think, game oh, yeah, fourth game and sad. the fifth game. So yeah, yeah, pressure on. So who's been um to so far? Could you? Because we've said before, I don't think they've hit top gear yet. And are they going to hit top gear without Kevin De Bruyne? Who knows? But in terms of just individuals, who's impressed you so far? Like, the, the who are you looking at and thinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Rodri is kind of doing what he did last season and all throughout last season. And it's kind of easy to maybe get 
just carried away and say it's Rodri in the same way that you do with Hal and you're just like, oh yeah, he scores and he keeps things ticking over. But Rodri is kind of impressed with his consistency of performance, but also, you know, getting that last minute winner at Sheffield United and um, showing that he can be involved in, in more goals, which I think it's always the case. Because City, City lost a lot of goals this summer, really. When you think about Mares, Gundogan and Palmer leaving, it's kind of all players who will score or will assist, be involved in goals. Huge goals as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when you take De Bruyne out as well, it's kind of like even more acute that more players need to step up. And we've seen it with Alvarez and Foden um, and Bernardo Silva a bit, but you do kind of sense that Rodri will need a few more goals this year and wants to score them. Um, you know, he's forever in history for scoring the Champions League winner, but he, I was speaking to him after Sheffield United and you can tell he's, he's enjoying that kind of feeling of, of being the match winner. As much as Guardiola wants his defensive midfielder to never get headlines, he's kind of, Rodri is, is enjoying that responsibility and stepping up for the team. You can tell with the celebrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always been like unable to contain himself. Uh, the Arsenal celebration, it's got to be the Yeah, yeah, that'll go down as, as the all-time, I think. Um, and then next to him, Kovacic has been really good. Kovacic has settled in really well. Do you, do you think that's, you were just talking about Rodri getting goals. Yeah. Surely that's going to aid him a little bit in maybe transitional moments or when, you know, Rodri wants to push up a little bit, sees an opportunity and maybe that that synergy between him and Kovacic allows Rodri to get forward. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, um, I'd not even thought as well, but then speak, I was speaking to Rodri about Kovacic and he was saying, oh, well, he, he speaks Spanish, so it's perfect for communicating. And I'd like, oh yeah, he played for Real Madrid, of course he will speak Spanish um, but it hadn't kind of clicked until that moment um, so I think maybe that's helped help the two of them kind of look so in sync together in uh, in such an early stage but but yeah Kovacic being able to kind of play that number six role and sort of cover for Rodri going forward um, is giving City a different dynamic but also you're seeing it more and more where Kovacic gets the ball and nothing looks on so he just thinks Right, I'll just run with this ball and take it past three players. And that's kind of what City haven't had. Um, and Mateus Nunes might bring a bit of that as well. Um, but at the minute, Kovacic has kind of... He's been one of the sort of stable forces in um, in City's start to the season, really. A few players have had good games, then bad games, whereas Kovacic has kind of been pretty pretty much seven out of ten, maybe the odd eight, every, every game. Do you see Nunes starting games for City? Or do you see him as rotation? Um, <laughs> well, a bit of both, really. Um, I think he, I think he'll go into sort of a pool of three, four midfielders where he, he will he will probably start one game a week, um, but maybe not two. Whereas, say, Rodri will start the majority of games. I think probably Kovacic is ahead of Nunez at this at this stage, um, just because he's been embedded in the team longer and he's. Yeah, I was just thinking if you throw in Bernardo in there as well in terms of options in that midfield, it's pretty vast. Yeah, yeah, and Foden as well, um, and Phillips. So it's, yeah, Guardiola's got a lot of options, but we've sort of seen that City's strength now is through the middle, really. You know, they got rid of wingers a while ago, they got rid of fullbacks now, so it's kind of like all through the middle. And just a weird Jeremy Doku on the, yeah, on yeah. the wing, who's just an out-and-out out winger, the most out-and-out out winger you'll ever see. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that's where City's strength is, so it kind of makes sense that they have those, those numbers in there. Are you going to miss Lilo's press conferences? <laughs> Uh, I, I, do you know he was better than expected he's a very nice man isn't he he's a very nice man he's a lovely man and uh, and he gave good answers and you were able to ask him things that you know that you wouldn't really be able to ask Pep he's like a nice granddad figure isn't he yeah. Pep's, Pep's, Pep's like your dad isn't he yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um, and yeah and he was more you're never kind of sure what you're going to get, but he was more kind of um, open and happy to chat about things than yeah, than maybe 
you would because you know let's be honest no manager or coach kind of thinks I want to be a manager so I can sit in front of a room of journalists for but he really didn't want he doesn't want to be a manager (laughs) yeah 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 but also he's kind of got no you know say like Guardiola was suspended for a Champions League game and Arteta took over a few years ago and Arteta did the press conference so you could tell kind of Arteta enjoyed being front and centre in front of everyone and it was kind of seen as like well this is you know the start of the next chapter of Mikel Arteta whereas you know Lilo has done everything he wants to do in the game and he's now kind of he's not trying to impress anyone he's not trying to get his next job or whatever he's just He's there because he wants to be part of that backroom staff with Pep. So um, there was nothing. So he could easily have just said, you know, given rubbish answers to everything. But he was quite happy to chat, which is all you want, really. Yeah, I'm going to miss him. Not going. He's not going anywhere. He's just stepping back. <laughs> I, I'm not going to miss that um, that moment where um, so press conferences with him were simultaneously translated. So we'd have headphones on and he would speak and then it would be translated through our ears. Um, I don't feel sorry for you because I used to I used to edit Marcelo Bielsa's press conferences for hours. So. Yeah, but you would be listening and um, it, it felt a bit sort of embarrassing that he's saying something and he might say something funny and then you're laughing like five seconds later. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't think I, about or that. Or he's waiting yeah. for you to ask the question and you're still hearing the end of his... His last answer. Is so if he so if he says something and then he starts laughing, do you just automatically laugh to be polite? No, no, I'm I'm waiting for to hear what <laughs> what he said. But um, yeah, that sort of you just feel a bit like oh, how bad am I not knowing this language? But back to Pep Guardiola then. Back to Pep. Um, and on that note, everybody, we're going to finish with Act One. We'll be back with Act Two in just a second. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, Si. So I wanted to start with this um, big article you wrote yesterday, which has gone pretty viral on the uh, Manchester City sphere. Um, so it's about obviously the charges that City are facing. Um, and obviously at this moment in time, they're preparing evidence to refute very strong accusations from the Premier League um, that could change the game, really. Um, do you want to take us through it? <laughs> Yeah, in the yeah, most sure. succinct way you can. It's, um, yeah, so there's uh, it's basically an academic paper written by two uh, academics, um, and you know one of them's a football finance expert, the other one's a lawyer. They're both at Sheffield Hallam University, uh, and they've just written um, something in an academic journal about the charges Manchester City are facing and the Premier League and what it kind of means in a wider sense and you know i i suppose even the fact that this is being written shows what a huge deal it is 
um, you know, not just within the game of football, but within sport and academia. And like, because the the charges against City are so unprecedented and so enormous and could have such significant consequences, um, everyone, you know, a lot of people are interested in what's going on and what might happen. And, you know, that was certainly the case when UEFA put their uh, two-year Champions League ban on City and then Court of Arbitration Sport overturned it and is the case now everyone's kind of waiting to see um, what will happen between the Premier League and City and also um, yeah weighing up what has what has gone down so far so um, so yeah this uh, paper that uh, I got hold of was just a, a look basically at at what's gone on and sort of drawing some some conclusions from from that really um it's it's very messy and complicated is is the main the main thing um and it's yeah like it, i mean the article kind of takes you through all the different charges that city are facing and sort of how the severity of the um the charges means that you know this it really will take a lot for the premier league to be able to claim what they are for the premier league to be able to prove what they're claiming basically um and but fundamentally it's going to be a huge issue within football which we kind of can expect because it's going to be not just city away and for the outcome to this but other football clubs who are rivals to City and people you know within the game uh, the heads of other leagues will be looking at this and then you've also got um, the Premier League is kind of in a battle with other people to try and maintain their their regulation of the game um, you know they, the, the charges against City were announced the day before a government white paper was set to talk about uh, regulation of football and, and that kind of thing and um funnily enough I think yesterday there was news of how the Premier League were gonna clamp down on or try and sort of fast track a lot of these cases and that came at a time when there was something else published from the government on uh on regulation and what a reg an independent regulator would do. So there's all of these little battles going on inside the main battle that is City versus the Premier League and it's got a lot of people interested. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and like you say, when it comes to rivals, you don't really think of of that side of things, do you? Because you almost think it's City preparing against the Premier League, which it is, but there are so many other factors here. Yeah, and you've also got to consider, you know, so when um, City were at the Court of Arbitration for Sport, I think he was eight of the other top 10, um, wrote to the Court of Arbitration for Sports to try and ensure that City couldn't play in the Champions League until the the appeal was heard because they were worried that City were going to sort of delay and delay and keep playing until the case was heard, whereas in actual fact, City worked to get it fast-tracked. But that kind of showed that, you know, the, there was a lot, of, a lot of Premier League clubs who were interested in um, City sort of getting what they felt was fair uh, which didn't turn out to be fair so um, the, those same voices will be in account to that and that is part of the problem that the Premier League face again with its kind of regulation uh, and keeping all clubs happy because if it wants to kind of it, it, it has to be the regulator but it also has to you know work with all these clubs it's like you know David Brent can I be your boss and your friend that's the um the the question that it constantly has to has to answer and it it knows that you know it while the investigation was going on into city there will have been a lot of clubs interested in what was happening and when anything might happen and now obviously it's happened with the allegations but the, there will still be interest in you know when is the when is the case being heard? How long can we expect until we find something? And, you know, if City are guilty, other clubs might have reason to, you know, ask for for gains in, in terms of, you know, they've lost out from a sporting sense if if City are found to have been been guilty, even though they, they deny all the all the allegations. So there is, like I say, there's so many so much interest in this from 
everyone in football um, that it, it is quite messy. Yeah, and even when you don't look into the specifics of it, it's quite it's quite reassuring for fans. I think seeing the the unity and and, and the strength when it comes from City. Obviously, Caldoun, Pep spoken about it as well. And I think outwardly facing, you see that as a Man City fan, you think, oh, we're good here because yeah. they've been so successful in every respect. You you expect them to. Yeah, I think that was it as well. I think when it happened, kind of um, there's this. I suppose some people from kind of outside City sort of maybe see the fans as just like one unified voice who all fundamentally back the club, whatever happens. And there will be some City fans like that, but there are also a lot of fans who, you know, maybe don't agree with every decision the the ownership or the hierarchy take and aren't comfortable with some elements of the ownership. Um, and when you are accused with, you know, such strength by the Premier League, really, um, there was, you know, plenty of fans who like any ordinary person would think, well, like, hang on, that that sounds bad, that looks bad, what's gone on? Um, but then Guardiola came out with such strength in his press conference and really nailed his colours to to the City mast in a way that he's never done before. Um, you know, he's always supported the club, but with the UEFA allegations, he'd always said, if the club are guilty, I'll walk away. Um, or if I feel I've been lied to, whereas here he really said, no, I'm staying. I'll be with them in League One. Um, and that kind of reassured. That. Yeah, yeah. You know, he said, we'll get Paul Dickoff back and play and we'll be fine. <laughs> and and that like reassured everyone around City, I think, that no, this is a club that is together and fundamentally believes they've not done anything wrong. And it was one of those moments last season where we were speaking about in the last show where it was almost like there was points where Pep would be able to galvanise the side. And even that point when... City outwardly facing once again, probably at their weakest. They were at the strongest in the camp because it was such unity. Yeah, and it, it came, funnily enough, the day after they played Spurs away and they'd lost and they'd been dismal. And um, and Caldun Al-Mubarak, Cheeky Bagiristan and Ferran Soriano all ended up in the City dressing room talking to Pep for ages. And, um, and then this news comes out Monday morning and you're thinking... Do they know in advance? But it turned out later, no, they didn't. They'd um, they'd just been talking about football because like they're that interested and involved in in the football side of things. But things really weren't going well for the team on the pitch. They were like miles off Arsenal at that point. And then this thing came out on the Monday. And then Pep's press conference was the Friday, and then they played Aston Villa um, on the Sunday. And the the fan group uh, eighteen ninety four did kind of a welcome for the bus and they started booing the anthem and uh, the Premier League anthem and it kind of unified everyone um, at a time when the team wasn't unified at all um, and that kind of inadvertently helped send them on the way to to a treble. But yeah, Pep, Pep does have this ability to just bring everyone together at certain points. Kevin De Bruyne one still stands out for me when he came out and was... I wasn't criticising him, but it was the it was certain things that he needs to improve on, and then you just saw Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> just and it's the psychology of the guy is yeah, just it's yeah. next level, isn't it? Yeah. Really, he's he's playing eight dimensional chess basically, and the rest he's of a step are... ahead of everyone else, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, do you, do you feel just on that? Just a, a, I don't mean it's never it's never been bad in my opinion. And I think this is always like, once again, using that word, but galvanised by the Champions League nights as well, which are incredible at the Etihad. I feel the atmosphere has gone up a notch as well at the Etihad. I mean, everywhere when you're there, when you hear it on the TV, reports that you hear as well, it feels that that unity that we're talking about again, that togetherness, it feels that de it is definitely seeped out to the stands as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it went up a notch last season First, because of Erling Haaland, I think. Um, Haaland is just, he's a superstar and he's a superstar that the Premier League hasn't seen before. And it was kind of like everyone, you had this like aura around him where everyone is excited to see him. And, you know, I've had like a lot more mates text me asking for City tickets um, since the beginning of last season, not because they're City fans, but they want to see Haaland and, you know, can't get anyone any tickets. I was so. about to, yeah, I was about to ask that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
everyone wants to see Haaland and, and he, you know, has treated it as like his home and he does like a lap of honour um, or a lap of appreciation maybe after every game and sort of thanks all the fans for coming and really gets them going and all the players get the fans going. And um, But then, yeah, the, there was this kind of unity around the Premier League charges and um, there was that banner, wasn't there, like panic on the streets of London in regard to the lawyer that was just like a classic, like, two fingers from City fans that was like, this is our style and we're gonna um we're gonna go with it. Yeah, it's um it has been very good and I think it was noticed sort of you didn't even if you didn't notice how good it was, you definitely noticed how bad it was, say at Wembley for the community shield and um it's it, even kind of against um Newcastle it was a bit like I think because it was an eight o'clock Saturday night, everyone had been maybe indulging in uh, a few drinks during the day and yeah and uh, yeah but there was something in uh, one of the Madrid papers um, after City had beaten them in the Champions League that said like that atmosphere at the Etihad was like nothing Real had faced in in years and and when you get other teams like that and sort of the Haaland effect is not just City like you know they played Barcelona in a friendly and everyone at the Nou Camp was going wild for Haaland and Haaland was like everyone at the Bernabeu wanted to see him so like fans all over the world are enraptured by him but when it comes to teams coming to the Etihad it's really started to um, intimidate teams I'd say and like Real in that month and Arsenal in the league just got blown away by you know the, the players and the fans coming together and the night games as well do yeah. aid, aid City as well massively Alex I know what you're saying it is you know indulging throughout the day and all yeah, this sort of stuff yeah. but it does feel like the Etihad under the lights at the minute with how good they are at home as well Yeah, it's the perfect concoction isn't it really well they've won every game this calendar year at the Etihad which is pretty astonishing and you can't see that stopping at all can no, you no know? like I'm sure it will at some point um, but it it does just feel like they're they're unstoppable at home and even when they are a bit sticky against say Fulham at the weekend or or whatever they do just find find a way to win right guys we're going to leave it there for act two stick around and we'll be back in act three another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Um, Sai, I wanted to talk about the Manchester City rebrand. Now, we've seen Gundogan, Mares, Laporte, Cancelo all leave. Um, and once again, straight off the bat, we've seen Pep Guardiola able to... Well, I guess it's probably the first time he's had to do it, really, in terms of like this regeneration project with players coming in and, and others stepping up from, you know development squads etc etc um you'd expect maybe the the next stage of this project for maybe walker to move on or bernardo in years time whatever but so far litmus test again it looks pretty good right now for man city they don't look 
to have been affected in a negative way by these big, big players leaving the club? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's become, they've been very, very good at replacing players that should be irreplaceable. Um, you know, like they've got three outside the Etihad, they've got statues too that kind of they've somehow managed to managed to replace. Um, the We don't know whether it was a good transfer window or not. Um, really, we won't kind of know until the season progresses and how does Kovacic fit in, how does Nunes fit in, how does Gradiol kind of improve as a as a player within the system. Um, but like you say, it, it's it, it's been pretty good and certainly with, with those players, you can sort of see why they've been signed and how they would fit in. Um, and and Doku is the the real interesting one because, like I say, he's not kind of a winger that they've been used to. Um, and you can sort of, I don't know, you can maybe see him like dribbling past eight players and sticking it in the net and Pep taking him off instantly because he's not been in the space that he should have been in or <laughs> something like that. But, you know, the idea of Pep, who has this amazing track record for developing young talent and like young world-class talent and him getting to work with a player who is already exciting to anyone who watches him um, is is quite an exciting prospect and also helps keep keep it feeling fresh. You know, that's the the real challenge with City for how do they keep going on and how, because it is like, you know, in any walk of life, like anyone who has success, like how do you get it again and how do you keep replicating that? And I, th I think for City, it's... Um, it, it does feel fresher than than usual this season um, with, say, Gundogan moving on and Mares, and you get like De Bruyne being out for so long as well, which obviously is still part of the group, but he, it does feel like he's, um, like you, you, you are missing that really experienced and, and quality player. So there, there are opportunities to be had. We've spoken a lot about Foden and Alvarez, you would expect that, partnership or those two individuals to sort of move into that space and, and see what they can they can do and we're waiting to see on on the new signing so so there's plenty of potential for things to sort of flourish I suppose as the season goes on mm. and still a lot of risks taken as well you know let's talk about Cole Palmer moving on and Gundogan um, as well Palmer obviously going to Chelsea is a is a risk because um, there's every chance that he can come back and in a year's time, everyone's saying, why have you sold Cole Palmer to a rival? He's doing so well. Um, what I would say is, again, City have a pretty good track record of that. Um, you know, Jadon Sancho hasn't really done it at Manchester United. Everyone was saying last season, why did you sell Sinchenko and Jesus when Arsenal were top of the league and Arsenal didn't win the league? So that kind of wasn't seen as is that bad after all? Uh, no one's kind of said similar about Raheem Sterling, really. So um, City, in their decisions, have been pretty good uh, with who they've let go. I I think it's it's I mean it's a risk on its own to let Palmer go. It's a risk to have the squad so small and say James McAtee or an unload Sheffield United is is a risk because it just removes that safety net maybe of of bodies i know guardiola likes to work with a small squad but it is a very small squad and the you know we spoke to Amalilo and he sort of said well that's what the academy's for the academy's been not cut down to the bones but like it's had that fat trimmed from it with with sales and loans as well so that there really aren't that much you know they talk about oh there's a few academy gems coming through we don't really know who who they are which isn't to say that they're not there but it's not like those options are clear and obvious and sort of everyone knows who's ready to say the next step I think it'll be more like you'll get like a Rico Lewis who was very good but no one saw him making as big an impact so early um, so City are going to have to be careful with injuries they're going to have to be lucky with injuries and they're going to have to you know, look after all of their players. They can't expect Rodri to play 90 minutes every every we, three we days. We said that last season. Well, yeah, but, but, you know, he's spoken to, to the coaches about it because he said, I, I can't 
It's going to, it's going to, it's it going to kill it. It's going to kill his career, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they need to take that into account, and you see, like, well, Kovacic and Nunes should allow him to to rest a bit more. Um, but it, it's it's exciting, but it's risky. As is football, uh, rivals. I've got down here in big block letters. Yeah. Yeah. Have any really impressed you as of... I mean, obviously, we, the, the standout was probably Arsenal sticking three past Man United at the weekend. But even watching that game, and we know Man United are, are nowhere near it, but even watching that game, you're thinking Man United are a little bit... You know, well, they're in this game. And I, did, I, did, I didn't watch that game and think there's, there's much between the two teams, to be quite honest with you. There was obviously the last 10 minutes where it got away from them. Yeah. You would expect Arsenal, with the the window that they've had, to almost have elevated themselves, maybe closer to a city level. And with what I'm seeing right now, I'm wondering who that next team is going to be to Man City. Yeah, yeah, I think it was huge for Arsenal beating United because it was a game that they could have lost and nearly lost, um, and then having drawn at home to Fulham. Um, it would have been serious questions. That's the the beauty of the international break, isn't it? Because you get two weeks to dissect over what's gone on. And if you know Arsenal on the back of say a draw and a defeat would have been uh, pretty pretty down in the dumps, I think. Whereas this you know last minute win is um, makes them feel a lot happier and should kick them on. It gives them a platform to kick on, and I think they will. You know, be up there. The other, the really interesting game is I think City go to the Emirates the beginning of October, just before the next international break. So again, if City win, then um, Arsenal deflated. If Arsenal win, then they're really high for the next two weeks. Um, Liverpool have really impressed me, and. Uh, not necessarily with like their play, but just kind of, I was I was in the car driving to a City game, I think the week they played Bournemouth at home and they were, well, they, they, they almost conceded in the first minute and then they conceded in the second minute and it felt like, here we go again with Liverpool, the defence hasn't been fixed. They win that game 3-1 and then I was coming back from the Sheffield United City match when they were 1-0 down to Newcastle and then and down to 10 men and they come back and win that 2-1 so um, I'm not sure the defensive issues have been fixed from last season I don't think they've kept a clean sheet yet um, I mean they did la uh, their last game yeah New no, Newcastle did Newcastle uh, so they beat Newcastle away and That's then 2-1 2-1 at Newcastle um, and then I think they won did they win 3-0 Oh yeah, there'll be a clean sheet yeah, in there somewhere. I think they won 3-0 the last game. But I'm not sure, yeah, I think, you know, we're still waiting. And also we kind of thought they would get Lavia or Caicedo and they didn't. They have got Gravenberg. I'm not sure how well he, I'm not sure they've got the number six that they need. Yeah, so he's not the profile at all, I don't think. No, um, but Liverpool, for having moments in their opening games where they could have crumbled or could have kind of given up to to sort of show that resolve and they had a really tricky first four matches um, so to take 10 points is is very good for them so I um, I think I predicted that Liverpool would be City's closest challengers and when they were one nil out to Newcastle I thought oh my god that's going to be embarrassing but I I think they they've certainly impressed me um, I think it's that front still the front line, isn't it? And especially when you're seeing Luis Diaz back into yeah, the fold. It's yeah, like, yeah. now obviously he's out with a long-term injury and now he's back. It's yeah. like Sabos Sly added to that as well, who, who looks good. And keeping Salah, because Salah was the other one where, you know, if he was going to go, that could could really derail him. But they've, they've got this um, talisman who can win them games and also another guy who just knows how to win the Premier League. Um, so I think, again, with Europe, would Europe kind of distract them maybe in the in the Premier League or just kind of take away freshness of legs for them maybe but um, so far I think they've probably been the most impressive and then Arsenal the next Manchester United and Disarray which is always nice to see <laughs> see but 
you know, had United beaten Arsenal, it would have been three wins from four. It's just a lot of chaos going on there at the There's minute. There's a lot there? of chaos, yeah. Um, and even though, because I think the two wins they've not played very well in, and that was one of the um, the VAR issues that should have been overturned, that Anana penalty against against Wolves. So, um, yeah, United and then Chelsea have kind of shown how inconsistent they remain really time is enough with Chelsea yeah it's one of them where having spent so much money they should be challenging but then you always say that on the assumption that kind of that money has been spent well and, and having 900 players on your books it's not it's not easy is it yeah Barn door chap mm. gone here yeah Messi or Haaland World Cup or 52 goals <laughs> well <laughs> it's Haaland for me justify he broke so many records and, you know, everyone always had this thing. We had it with Pep when you come to England. Yeah, yeah, you've done all right in other leagues, but can you cut it? It's that old Stoke on a Tuesday night. And um, and Haaland just did and did it after sort of a debut that was written about hysterically in the Community Shield when he, he missed that chance. And some of the coverage around it was just like, do we maybe want to give a bit of perspective to this? And then... Very soon he made all that coverage look incredibly daft and he's, he's, he just forced us to rethink like what expectations should be for a striker and has literally changed English football with the way that um, he, he plays and you sort of see it in the way teams set up in that, you know, they're either so obsessed with marking him that it frees up someone else or they just can't keep a handle of, on him and and he scores. He scored kind of every different kind of goal um, during his his season. Like not too many spectacular ones, but the ones that were, were, were really very good. I think he's going to miss out, isn't he? I think he is, yeah. I sort of wrote about it recently and it's kind of like he's had like the best season you could imagine in for a club. And he's one of the best players in the world, but he's up against the greatest player ever who's won the greatest prize ever. Um, and the World Cup still holds kind of huge... Yeah, especially for Ballant. Whenever there's kind of a World Cup, you think, well, the prize will probably go to somebody who's won the who's won the World Cup and especially when it's Messi the holding evidence in Ronaldo years ago if not years ago a couple of years ago was the Euro win wasn't it with Portugal yeah. it was like, oh, he's won the Euro so he has to get it yeah yeah and these kind of players are seen as like dragging their teams to the win and, and Messi certainly did um, I suppose on the flip side there's no one really talking about Mbappe to win it and he had a phenomenal World Cup as well um, it does seem like like the team accolade comes above, above like individual prowess doesn't it really he's one of them it's what you're up against on the year because like you know Haaland could probably have a worse year this year and win it next year because he won't be up against someone who's won a World Cup and someone who is Messi who's won a World Cup so it it will feel you know he might be a little frustrated that he doesn't win it if he doesn't win it um, but if he plays like he is he will have many more opportunities to win it and maybe in 10 years time or 12 years time he might have got Norway to the semi-finals or something and not have had a great year but done that and that clout sort of means that he wins one where some up-and-comer does not so um, I guess it's still like I, I don't the criteria for it's still a bit vague isn't it it's still yeah. ambiguous it's like is the Ballon d'Or the best footballer in the world because then as you've just illustrated and I would also agree it's is messy. Yeah. But if you're looking on the last year yeah, and yeah. what Haaland yeah. has done in the last year. And I also should have done more research, but I, um, you know, I don't know when, when it's voted for. Cause again, kind of like a Messi who's doing basically nothing at PSG is very different to a Messi who clips from MLS are going around the world, like every two days about him 40 goals scoring brilliant goals. So it is kind of like, you know, the, the hype around Messi at the minute is a much, much bigger than it was when he was at PSG. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, that's a good point, actually, yeah. Um, it was a bit 
It was a bit vacant there, wasn't it? But when it's seen as yeah. gone, the, yeah, the MLS yeah. now and obviously the World Cup. But um, finally, let's move on. Uh, Ukraine versus England coming up tomorrow night, I believe it is. How many City players do we think are going to feature for this one? Standard Southgate selection. Yeah, is don't care an answer? Uh, maybe. Phillips in there though to get some minutes, I guess. Yeah, very interesting that Phillips... Um, got picks for the squad I mean it's, it's ridiculous really isn't it even though we're a City podcast it is, it is quite ridiculous yeah it's tough isn't it it's really tough and I just mean that in terms of minutes for him as well yeah it's exactly like yeah, yeah. It, it feels daft that you can play zero minutes for your club and yeah. still be deemed an option for for your country um, and also when yeah I mean Southgate was saying he's sort of the second best number six behind um behind Declan Rice and I'd imagine perhaps almost at the point of like preferring Edison over Phillips at six so it's like there are so many players ahead of him at six for City even though obviously they're not they're not English um, although maybe Lewis or Stones would yeah. would get the nod um, so yeah 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 and um, the thing is with Phillips like he's so popular still with City fans and like he came on I think three players came on before him against Fulham but he came on against Fulham for his first minutes of the season and everyone's so like wanting him to do well um, there is still that goodwill that you wouldn't always get with players which you know I think speaks to how Phillips is um, but yeah he's just yet to show so maybe he can do something with England that'll make Pep think yeah, actually, I can I can use this guy a bit more. And the other one, I suppose, is is Foden, because in the same way as his club career, Foden's not really nailed down an England start, and he's obviously got huge competition with Rashford and Saka and um, and others. So, will he play centrally? Will he play at all? Then you look at but Madrid are playing Bellingham's. Uh, I think it's in the advanced state 10 now aren't they so is Southgate going to do that so you know Rice, Bellingham Foden sounds like a dream midfield but whether that is what Southgate wants for balance and whether he prefer, you know does he want to play Jordan Henderson for all the time instead even though he's playing in a tin pot league I don't know um, you know the the opportunity is there for for Foden to to really kind of do what everyone's been expecting him to do for for some time now did I see as well and I'm a little bit the same with England but did I see Nketiah got in and Watkins didn't is that yeah yeah so I didn't know if Watkins had picked up an injury that seems crazy doesn't it, it yeah I mean, yeah when you talk about strikers just just behind Ireland in terms of what they've done yeah yeah I, again a bit like you know the Ballon d'Or really counts international uh, football I think what Nketiah had done for England under 21s has really counted in his in his favour. Uh, you know, England obviously have appointed their under 21s manager in in Southgate, and there's a real kind of wish to keep those players who've been in the system coming through. And Enketi's obviously started the season with Arsenal, and you know they obviously feel that he's come through the ages at England and done well every time, and is a is a chance for him. But it, it does you know count against those players such as. Um, such as Watkins, you know, I think Raheem Sterling is unfortunate to to miss out again. James Ward-Prowse could even say, you know, I've signed for a new team to stay in the Premier League and done start had a really good start to that team. You know, someone else who's essentially binned off his professional career to go to Saudi Arabia is still in the squad. Um, there's there's a there are a few strange strange calls in the England squad but it's still a very good team yep well let's hope Phillips does get some minutes it'd be nice to see Foden centrally Stones in there as well but please no injuries uh, guys we'll leave it there Sai thanks so much for joining me really appreciate it mate and uh, we'll be back discussing West Ham next week and we're going to become a little bit of an England podcast because we'll have Ukraine to speak about oh. and obviously the big one on Tuesday Scotland so, uh, yeah, we'll have that to discuss, everyone. Really appreciate you stopping by. I'm sure appreciating our new setting. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back on 
on next Monday discussing everything Manchester City. Really appreciate you stopping by. Make sure you like, comment and subscribe, all that good stuff. Check out um, us on all of your favourite you know, podcast providers as well. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and we'll see you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.